0: And that is why,
1: like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Business Perfect Formula is available wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: So people have been living in an extreme state of poverty during this entire pandemic, but that's also the root of a lot of the social crisis that erupted at the end of 2019. It's just a perfect storm of a lot of things.
3: They created these programs, which at the beginning they were hard to implement because Argentina is only 50% of the people have a bank account. So basically how you get their cash to them. Well, that is a great solution, journalism story. The boom of the FinTech
4: industry. It's what we do as individuals. It's what we do as households. It's what we do in our communities. It's what we do in our local government areas. And it's what we do in our nations that actually will determine not so much what happens in our country, but what will happen in our world. This issue needs the collective effort of all of humanity.
5: Welcome to the Global Goalscast, the podcast that explores how we can change the world. In this episode, can
6: the world come together to fight COVID-19 together? Or
5: will the rich world just keep looking after itself and leave everyone else to suffer? Edie, you sound so grim. Can we just be more optimistic? This is a Global Goalscast. I know, but it is a grim time and a challenging one. Yes,
6: Edie, yes, but here's the good news. We can make things better by how we choose to respond. That was a message delivered on Friday by the head of the World Health Organization, Dr. Tedros.
7: Our commitment to the future is measured by our actions today. Yesterday alone, more than 13,000 people around the world lost their lives to COVID-19. Nine every single minute. Today, the number will be similar, and tomorrow, and next day. And people will continue to die as long as the global disparity in vaccines persists. Yes, the rapid development of COVID-19 vaccines is a triumph of science. But their inequitable distribution is a failure for humanity. Almost 90% of all vaccines administered globally have been in G20 countries. We can only end the pandemic if everyone has the tools to stop it.
6: Equity will save lives. You said it. And when we come back, we will hear much more on the pandemic and the fight to restrain it from one of the special envoys of the World Health Organization, our favorite, my former boss, Dr. David Navarro. But first, this message.
8: This episode of Global Goalscast is brought to you by our listeners. That's right, listeners like you who care about the future. Please spread the word. Tell your friends about Global Goalscast. Hit the like and subscribe and give us five stars. Thanks also to CBS News Digital and Universal Production Music.
5: Welcome back. I'm Claudia romo And I'm Edie Lash. Claudia, the pandemic is sometimes called a race between the virus and the vaccine. Now, that's all well and good if you have enough vaccine as we do here in the UK
6: or where you are in the US. But for most of the world, this race has not even begun because they don't have vaccines. We just need to keep a clear eye on the global challenge, which is getting vaccines to
5: everyone. And also remembering there are many ways to box in the virus while waiting for the vaccine. Later, I'll share with you my conversation with my friend and colleague in Argentina about the clever way they protected one of the poorest neighborhoods in Buenos Aires as the virus ran rampant through the country. Sounds
6: like a good illustration of what Dr. David Navarro is always telling us. People
5: are the answer. I always say you are so smart. So why don't Mm -hmm. we check in now with Dr. Navarro?
4: What are we all working for? Are we working for a small number of groups of people in well-endowed countries to be able to be protected, people like me. Is this all about us being able to be okay, being able to sire a sense of relief when we can get vaccinated, and then wringing our hands and saying, well, yes, this is a very unfair situation, but there's a vaccine available and I should take it.
6: That happened at the same time that Dr. Tedros was addressing the World Health Assembly. Dr. David Navarro has invited Global Goalscast, used truly, to join his regular briefings on the pandemic. He was speaking over Zoom to health advocates from all around the world.
4: So thank you again, everybody, and here we go. The numbers. Well, I've looked at the overall epidemic curve And I'm happy to say that the extremely large numbers of cases reported each day up in the area of 700,000 per 24 hours has mercifully dropped. And WHO received reports yesterday of 640,000 people having COVID. And yesterday, 13,250 people dying with covid it's also a reality that the numbers increasingly are not really giving the full picture rojan dahal sent me a text yesterday saying that in nepal the virus is getting into rural areas because as a result of movement restrictions people have moved from the cities like Kathmandu and they've gone back to their local towns or to their villages, and they're taking the virus with them. And so you're getting small clusters building up miles away from health facilities, certainly a long way away from effective testing. And so there's probably, with the movement of the virus into rural areas of many parts of the world now, there's a really massive underreporting. Estimates from India and Nepal suggest that actually the death rates might be between three and five times greater than what's been reported. And so everybody, the figures are important, but the reality is probably much more pronounced than the figures in many places. there's just no evidence of any spontaneous weakening of the powers of the virus. Indeed, many of the variants of concern that are being reported from around the world are associated with greater transmissibility of the virus from person to person, and in some cases that's contributing to what are some very sharp increases in case numbers what I call the spikes. And these spikes, when they progress and the transmission becomes greatly enhanced, turn into surges of disease, which then present as major explosive outbreaks if they're not suppressed. And these surges have occurred in different parts of the US, they've occurred in the UK, they occurred in Brazil earlier this year, and they're still happening in some parts of Brazil. Then we've seen a very massive surge in different parts of India, which is still going on, in Nepal, in parts of Bangladesh, in parts of Pakistan, and in the Maldives, in Malaysia, and in other countries in East Asia, in Taiwan, and there is a series of spikes in Singapore. There's a major spike and I think it classes as a surge in Trinidad and Tobago in the north of South America and in Argentina right now there's been a very steep increase in numbers of cases and there is a great deal of suffering.
5: Dr. Navarro detailed these surges including reports from public health colleagues on the ground in India, Nepal and
4: Chile. Let me just give you some reports that have been received by the WHO recently. India. 276,000 new cases reported in the last 24 hours. World Health Organization's Assistant Director General, Samira Asma, said six to eight million people in India may have actually died so far in India as a result of COVID, more than twice the WHO official death toll of three and a half million. Of course, you've probably, all of you, seen stories of, unfortunately, cadavers piling up in various settings, uh, awaiting cremation. And in some cases, they are being put into rivers, which are all then leading to a confluence of water flow containing cadavers that is now quite serious in North India. Pretty unpleasant. Of course, the government is responding with a mix of measures, including some localised movement restrictions, as well as some more wider movement restrictions at state level. But there's a limit to the amount to which movement restrictions can be used, given the poverty of the population and the amount of suffering that happened as a result of the lockdowns last year. The vaccination programme continues to roll out, but it's a pretty massive responsibility to try to vaccinate the adult population of a country with a population of 1.3 billion. And I think that everybody concerned has really come to recognize that even if a lot of vaccine was available, vaccinating everybody out of the pandemic in India would be particularly challenging. But at the moment, there are shortages of vaccine supply everywhere.
6: Which means lockdowns are still needed. Dr. N.K. Seti, a public health expert in India, talked about the damage restrictions cause and how to manage them.
7: I am also not in favor of restrictions, but it has been a catch-22 situation in India. If health system is not able to take care of COVID care, if the health system is not able to take care of non-COVID care, it has economic implications. And at the same time, people move because of lack of employment, that also has an economic implication. So my consistent persuasive effort has been timely, graded restrictions based on objective criteria which balance holding back COVID and balancing economy.
4: Now, if we move north from India across the border into Nepal, again, there's a rapid increase in numbers of cases. There's certainly the early vaccine that came as a donation from the Serum Institute of India. It's not being repeated. There's a shortage of vaccine in Nepal. No hope of vaccine from India for at least 16 weeks. People are trying to enter multiple facilities when patients are ill in Nepal before they find one with a bed, and it's often too late. There are extraordinary shortages of oxygen. There are challenges in Nepal, in the Terai, on the border with India. And the government's Health Emergency Operations Centre is quoted as saying, in Kathmandu Valley, almost all of the intensive care beds are full and all ventilators are in use. And even in hospitals where beds are available, Patients cannot be admitted due to lack of oxygen.
5: Lockdowns have helped in Nepal, but the crisis is far from over. Dr. Rojan Dahal explained from Kathmandu.
7: So after the three weeks of restrictions, the patient flow has been reduced in a major hospital of Nepal. However, there is a shortage of bed, as you said, in the ICU and ventilators. When patients visit to the hospitals, their relatives are asked to bring the oxygens by themselves due to the lack of oxygen in the hospitals. In addition to this, the patients are also reluctant to visit the hospitals. Peoples have a fear about the cost associated for the treatment.
5: Wait, what? Patients have to bring their own oxygen? Yes, Edie. Even in my country,
6: in Mexico, what is happening in India, it's also happening in Mexico. People have to queue for hours to go buy their oxygens and then bring it to the hospital. It's really important to remind ourselves how difficult things are
5: in a number of places all around the world. In fact, Rojan spoke about how government officials and aid organizations have showed up in Nepal taken a look around and said, we want to help. Oh, yeah, we're happy to help, but nothing materialized.
6: And the same thing happened on the fight against HIV. People were desperate, running like chickens without head. But it took two and a half years to overcome the fragmentation and come to a place of organization and collaboration for the world.
5: Dr. Nabarro talked about that and said he hoped we could do better this time. We are just a year into this pandemic. Then he introduced an expert in Chile. Her name is Rebecca Cantor. She described the connection between COVID-19 and the sharp social disparities that Chile was struggling with even before the pandemic.
2: We continue to have over 10% positivity rate these past weeks. This has been going on the trend more or less since March. Now, certainly, I think if our vaccination rate wasn't so high, we would be closer to an Argentina or to Peru. But our health system here is also much stronger. It's also shown that the ICU admissions, the people who are getting really sick, are the younger population who are just now starting maybe their first dose. They have been talking about a new Chilean variant. I have not read when they think that actually emerged, but de- I would say definitely within the past few months. And we've had a vaccination campaign going here strong since the beginning of February. Chile literally erupted in a social crisis at the end of 2019. And that social crisis, which was quite violent, went up until the pandemic. The pandemic put a damper on a really huge underlying social earthquake that has to a lot do with public health indicators that are related to what we need now. So for example, the social security system here is all privatized. People are now in this this pandemic without any social support, government support, no food support. So high rates of multidimensional poverty. And then what's been happening with the higher case numbers Is that the only way the government has offered social support is for certain groups of people to be able to take a 10% withdrawal out of their private pension fund that normally they wouldn't have access to? The government just came out with something a few weeks ago that people in the middle class, but no one can figure out what the middle class is, could get some money. And I'll say that no one could figure out what the middle class is because. Everyone would go online to try to see if there were eligible for this money, and so many people couldn't get access to it. So people have been living in an extreme state of poverty during this entire pandemic, but that's also the root of a lot of the social crisis that erupted at the end of 2019. All this to say that we had elections last weekend that were held Saturday and Sunday. Normally elections are just on Sundays. It's the first time it was held Saturday and Sunday, which also relates to what's probably now happening with these pandemic numbers. The elections were quite historic and exciting because of this whole social crisis. So Santiago just elected a female governor, a female mayor, female councilwoman, lots of women and indigenous elected, and it shows just the overall frustration, honestly, in this country in terms of what's happening. It's just a perfect storm of a lot of things.
5: A perfect storm of a lot of things. That describes so much of the world.
6: David Navarro then went from Chile to Argentina
4: a thousand cases in the last 24 hours a big increase in the numbers dying i was just looking at a newspaper report from argentina which said that the daily death rate at the start of march was 112 whereas on tuesday 744 people died with covid and in argentina Unfortunately, some of those people who have died have had two doses of vaccine. An awful lot more have had one dose of vaccine. Work is being done to see whether or not this is some form of escape from vaccine protection or whether this is just that unfortunately, the vaccine just wasn't able to be sufficiently potent to deal with the virus because they were infected too quickly after they had been immunized. I mean, I'm particularly anxious about Argentina. One of my fellow envoys, Dr. Mirta Roses Perialgo, she is a senior communicable disease expert from Argentina and she was telling me just earlier today of just how amazingly serious the situation is and how much it is causing the whole health system to be finding it super hard to cope and and indeed health professionals really at the end of their tether, in some cases, just not able to work because they're so stressed.
5: Later in the episode, I'll share my conversation with my friend and colleague in Argentina on measures that they've taken to contain the virus in one of the poorest communities in the country. First, Dr. Navarro continued his briefing with a worrisome look at where we're headed.
4: And so the story goes on. And what am I telling you? That the issues that we were looking at last year, of this capacity of COVID to form these rapidly increasing spikes of infection, often in quite trite geographical areas, coupled with the consequences of the defensive actions that societies have to take, leading to increases in hunger and increases in undernutrition of children. That is not only going on, that is going on in a much more intensive way in multiple locations. According to my WHO colleagues, this is going to increase. It's not going to slow down. My colleagues who work in the WHO invoice system are also very concerned about early signs they're seeing of, for example, in the Middle East, deaths numbers going up. Vaccine rollout is really low because COVAX has no vaccines in their stocks to distribute around now. So we've got countries everywhere with populations that received their first dose from the COVAX supplies earlier this year and now unsure whether they're going to be able to get a second dose a lot of stress. Health ministers, of course, being invited to leave their jobs because no more vaccine can't come. And a lot of presidents and their agents going to the vaccine manufacturers desperate to try to get more vaccines because the system is not able to help them. And don't think it's just about the variants. Our colleagues in WHO say that these big surges are associated with widespread population movement, coupled by the virus in some cases being more easily transmitted, and taken together this does mean great increases in case numbers. What are we going to do? Are we going to stick with just concentrating on the well-being of people in the wealthy countries or are we going to move to a world that sees this as a global issue well it's not up to people like me but i have a voice i'll go on i'll go on and i won't stop because i think that is now absolutely essential for everyone with a voice to speak out what are we working for we're working for the health of everybody, not just of a select few. And the reason why we're working for the health of everybody is because people are the solution to a problem that is caused by a really unpleasant and cunning and difficult virus. But there's no other solution. And so it's what we do as individuals. It's what we do as households. It's what we do in our communities. It's what we do in our local government areas and it's what we do in our nations that actually will determine not so much what happens in our country, but what will happen in our world. Because more than any other issue that is contemporary and difficult right now, this issue needs the collective effort of all of humanity. public health is key but public health is the non-hospital part of health it's the part that very rarely gets budgetary attention and is often raided for money when an acute service is short of cash and so public health services all over the world particularly in western nations have suffered a massive relative decline in recent decades that's got to stop this world is made vulnerable by the lack of a good honeycomb network of public health services that has to be absolutely front and center of our efforts. And so moving towards the global response, I've just got the following to say. Working separately, national governments will be defeated by this pandemic. As it becomes endemic in more and more places, Governments will scramble to try to keep it away, but there will be enormous suffering if we go on like this. Especially because the governments that are operating independently seem not to be fully aware of the inevitability that variants which challenge the protection offered by current vaccines will emerge. It's biology. This must be dealt with by an integrated worldwide effort that brings together the leaders of all nations and the rest to do it together. And I'll go on fighting for that. I'm not really fussed about who runs it. I'm just concerned that it happens.
6: We heard how fine the balance is between restrictive movement during COVID and enabling people to make a living. We've got a positive story for you after the break about how another country is doing
8: just that. This episode of Global Goalscast is brought to you by our listeners. That's right, listeners like you who care about the future. Please spread the word. Tell your friends about Global Goalscast. Hit the like and subscribe and give us five stars. Thanks also to CBS News Digital and Universal Production Music.
5: So, we've been hearing from your old boss, Claudia, David Navarro.
3: Now, I want you to I hear been from been mine. He was
5: with me at Bloomberg TV.
3: Absolutely, <laughs> there, were, there, there were some of the best, absolutely. With
5: a story about curbing the virus in Argentina.
3: My name is Ivan Weissman, I am a partner in a uh, relatively new media company in Argentina called Red Accion, or Red Action. We do a lot of what I would call solution journalism. We look a lot at issues of poverty, inequality. We look at the world of finance, but from a more human point of view, we look at the environmental revolution, digital revolution, and the one rule about solution-based journalism is that You have to point a problem, but the story has to have examples of people around the world or in Argentina that are doing something that is working.
5: I worked for Ivan at Bloomberg TV way back in the day. As he said, he now runs a new site that Claudia, I think is our soulmate in Argentina, finding people who are solving challenges.
3: For people that don't know Argentina, since the return of democracy in 1983, you've had a succession of failed administrations. The Macri government was the first non-peronist. Peronist is the movement that has run Argentina for like a hundred years. It's the first non-peronist government that is quote unquote allowed to finish their term. But with an economy in crumbles. It's a country that is very lovable and people, when they lie for you, they really do. And it's, it's very family and friends orientated. But I think that's also a defense mechanism in which they don't trust any institution. They don't trust companies. They don't trust the government. Trust is so
6: essential, and at the center of solving this issue and beating this pandemic as the element trust barometer mentions it there's a dual pandemic one is on information and the other one is on health and information and health are absolutely related when it comes to trust right
5: claudia and if you remember we had a whole episode on trust and vaccines in a previous global goals cast i called ivan to ask how argentina was containing COVID-19.
3: In the case of Argentina, a country that has gone from a middle-class country to a poor country with a middle class but is poor, 47% of the population are poor. More than 50% of kids under 17 are poor. And half of the economy is informal. So those informal workers, they got to come out and eat. They got to go and get their job and, and get paid. And so it's tough for them to obey the rules. And plus, you add to that this skepticism that seems to be happening all over the world about democracy and government and people don't believe and trust their leaders. And you have a, a combination that has made Latin America the worst place in the world for COVID. You know, that's where the most deaths are, the most cases per capita. In Latin America, has 3% of people vaccinated, and the most deaths and the most cases. So it's a, it's a tough cocktail.
5: Tough cocktail, indeed. David Nabarro keeps telling us we can't wait for the vaccine to stop the pandemic. In Argentina, they listened. You know, Claudia, Buenos Aires is such a beautiful city also one where the rich and poor
6: live close together, much like New York or Mexico City. In fact, in Buenos Aires, there's this highway, Villa 31, and on one side, you have the richest neighborhood, and on the other, the poorest. So the community came up with a plan to contain the virus in ways that everybody could live with.
3: So what they did is that they kind of divided the villa, the neighborhood, into blocks or let's say five blocks, with the help eventually of the city authorities. So all the people in those five blocks, they can move around within those five square blocks. To move to other parts of the villa, they have people checking your temperature, you have testers. So you have these big bubbles, it's not just a couple of families, it's a couple of thousand people within four or five square blocks. And they say, okay, these supermarkets can open. So they have managed to create that lockdown, but you don't have to stay inside your house because it's unrealistic and it's also not that very healthy, especially in the winter, 10 people with cl- windows closed living in you know, 80 square feet. So those are the sort of big bubbles that they have, and it's worked. The raid in the or neighborhoods in Buenos Aires has been actually completely contained after the first wave, and the second wave hasn't been n- hit nearly as hard as other parts of the country or the city.
5: Argentina's tech industry stepped
3: up. They created these programs, which at the beginning they were hard to implement because Argentina is only 50% of the people who use a bank account. So basically how you get their cash to them, well, that is a great solution journalism story. The boom of the fintech industry. The Amazon of Latin America is called Mercado Libre, which is an Argentine company, and they have a digital wallet called Mercado Pago, and that you pay with your QR code. And there's a bunch of other really good fintechs that exploded. So the government realized that they could send their money through this payment mechanism, applications and apps. So that's been actually a positive story. You got more people involved in the financial sector. It's boomed. Everybody now uses the app on their phone because even poor people have cell phones.
5: point, as David Nabarro keeps saying, we can curb this virus everywhere, even before vaccines arrive. Claudia, I read a pretty interesting article by Gordon Brown today in the FT. He argues it's time for the politics to catch up with the science. The only way to maximize vaccine production and to immunize the world is for the richest countries to underwrite the cost incurred by the poorest. And indeed, it is something that we have seen before. And I am worried about the Serum Institute. The world is depending on them. It's in India, the world's largest manufacturer of vaccines, and they're not exporting anything. They're supposed to be the main supplier to COVAX. And we heard why, because India is suffering. The world is just so out of whack with where we need to be,
6: everywhere. With me not never being in politics or wanting to be in politics while not denying being political. Mm-hmm. If I would be a president, for example, President Biden, man, this is a huge opportunity to restore and heal relationships with other places in the world where the relationship might be fragmented trust has been erased some bruises have been created he promised another 20 million doses which is a great gesture Mm. but in a world that needs billions of doses i I mean i don't know if i would be biden or maybe his foreign policy advisor i would say that this is the biggest impact that he could have as a president healing relationships that are needed in the past and that this is an important area i met tom freston the former CEO of Viacom, and now part of the board of One and ProtoGred. He told me about this amazing campaign that they produced and that they're airing in MTV and other places for young people called Pandemica. Mm. And so Pandemica is an imaginary planet that everyone that is not vaccinated is at. So that's the worst place that you can ever be if you're like experiencing something like a pandemic. But actually, that is the reality for so many countries that don't have the access to the vaccine. And so this campaign is aimed to create some social awareness and youth advocacy to tell their own leaders, like, please stop vaccinating me. I'm not at risk. I'm 15 years old. I'm 18 years old. Produce more and start distributing. And that's actually what one aims to be doing, which is putting pressure on the G7 countries, that they do precisely that. I love that. that. Produce more and distribute more, as
5: simple as that. That is fantastic. I love it. And we can put that into the actions as well. David said that it was essential for everyone with a voice to speak out. We are working for the health of everybody and not just a select few. So Claudia, you and I are using our voices to stand up for those who are shouting and can't be heard from Nepal, from India, from the other countries we have listened to today. So, Eidi. For
6: everyone and anyone, Global Cast is very proud to always present to you the three facts that you can know and show off with your mother-in-law when you're having dinner with any friend and say like, did you know? And also the actions, the actions that you can take in your daily life to join the group of adventurers that are saving the world and doing their part to make this planet a better world. So let's start with fact number one, the act. Accelerator, the global partnership to deliver the tests, treatments and vaccines the world needs to bring an end to the pandemic. And that is lacking 18.5 billion dollars of funding for this year. That is a lot of money. but it's only a tiny fraction of a percentage of the trillions of dollars recovering spending now on their way to treat the economic fallout of COVID-19. So fact number one is the ACT Accelerator is lacking $18.5 billion, which sounds like a lot, but in
5: reality, it's pretty much peanuts. Fact number two, nine people are dying from COVID every single minute. And people will continue to die as long as the global disparity in vaccines persists. The development of COVID-19 vaccines is a triumph of science, but their inequitable distribution is a failure for humanity. And the fact number three. Almost
6: 90% of all vaccines administered globally have been in G20 countries, no surprise but good to have as a number to put out on the table when you're talking to your (laughs) mother-in-law. Now, Edie, let's go to the actions. I saw you had a second jab,
5: and I know you took an action straight after that. I did, I had my jab, and with the arm that wasn't in pain, I went to gogiveone.org and gave 10 vaccines directly to COVAX, gogiveone.org. Could not be easier. That is quite good. Action number two, raise your
6: voice. Talk about this, put pressure and make sure that people understand that it is time for developed countries to actually produce and share more vaccines so that the entire world is vaccinated. As long as we're not all vaccinated, we might have a relapse. So come on, raise your voice and talk
5: about this issue. And action number three, Claudia, you mentioned Pandemica. We want you to go have a look at it and share it. Yes, and that is on
6: One.org, OneCampaign.org. So, Edie, this is a wrap. Thank you so much for this episode, important, relevant, and exciting to be at this time of history.
5: Absolutely. And so, thank you so much for being with us, dear listeners. And a massive thanks to David Nabarro, Twee, Catherine, everyone at 4SD for this partnership in bringing you this episode if you liked this episode please give us five stars share it on all of your social networks and subscribe thank you so much everybody see you next time bye-bye adios
8: global goals cast was hosted by Edie lush and claudia romo edelman we are editorial guru by mike areskis Editing and sound production by Simon James. Our operations director is Michelle Kupreiter. Music in this episode was courtesy of Universal Production Music, one of the world's leading production music companies, creating and licensing music for film, television, advertising, broadcast, and other media, including podcasts. Original music by Neil Hale, Angelica Garcia, Simon James, Katie Krohn, and Andrew Phillips. Thanks also to CBS News Digital.
0: The struggle is real, and we know that firsthand being daughters of hardworking immigrants. That's why on La Lucha Israel podcast, hablamos un poquito de todo. Somos Angel and Edith, long-term best friends who have authentic conversations, giving us space to be vulnerable without judgment because La Lucha real. We want all of our amigos who listen to us to feel a part of the conversation and feel empowered to become a better version of themselves. A veces bromeando y a veces llorando, pero siempre mejorando. La Lucha is Real podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts.